2: For 90 years, we've been right here, right now.
1: Right Rug Flooring. This podcast is part of the 76ers Podcast Network. Search 76ers Podcast wherever you get your pods. The 76ers are surging down the home stretch of the season. The number one seed in the East is within their grasp.
2: The Sixers now increase their lead in the East over the Brooklyn Nets, 45 and 21. They are winners of six in a row.
3: We've seen a lot of good lately. Seth Curry has been on a tear, and we discussed the team's overall chemistry.
2: Thiebel blocks the shot. Simmons on the run against Porter, goes right to the rim and lays it in.
0: And I love what Matisse Thiebel's been doing. And of course, Ben Simmons' impact has been big.
3: I'm Lauren Rosen. I'm
0: Devon Givens,
1: And I'm Brian Seltzer. We are feeling positive about the 76ers' chances. We talk about it all here on the Friday Deep Dive. High times, guys. In 76ers land right now, this squad isn't just winning games, winning in convincing fashion. Just steamrolling these opponents, taking very big advantage of a favorable schedule Dare we say, Lauren and Devon, total driver's seat control of the number one seed right now in the Eastern Conference with about a week and a half to go?
3: I am willing to say so. Yes, Celts. They wanted to control their own destiny with a little bit of help from a couple other rival teams in the Eastern Conference and beyond, actually. If you look at the Dallas Mavs win over the Bucks, or rather the Nets on Thursday night, they've, they've got a little bit of help from other teams around the league but still managed to get that one seed to be in control of their own destiny headed down the stretch and the schedule is pretty favorable so I'm with you I think they're they're in control at least for now.
0: Yes they are smacking teams right now as they should the way the schedule has played out and a little you know a little bumpy here and there where you allow the leads to uh, you know dwindle where it makes for an interesting finish but overall they are in control of their own destiny. Uh, with six games remaining starting tonight against the New Orleans Pelicans back here. Payback, by the way. And uh, just, yeah, the favorable schedule. And I was one that, when we were all talking about this weeks ago and looking at the favorable schedule, you just never know how things are going to play out. So I was a little reluctant to hold on to that. But the way that things have played out, uh, I I agree with you both, that they are taking full advantage of the opportunity with the favorable schedule and uh, six games and counting.
1: Going into Friday's game, the Sixers obviously tying a season high on this six game winning streak. They've outscored the opposition by a total of 131 points. And that's with one of the games being a two point overtime win against San Antonio, where if they didn't screw around at the game, that probably was on the way to being a 15 or 20 point win. So I think it's just been really impressive. I think we talked about this here last week, but to me, one of the most encouraging things is that I feel the way they've gone about these games reflects the mindset of this team right now, how seriously they're taking it. They could rest some more guys than they have been. Um, They could try to manage their workload a little bit more, but they've really been going after that number one seed. And I think they've, regardless of the caliber of opponent on the other side, it seems like they're going about this in a very business-like, on-a-mission fashion, at least to me.
0: As they should. And When you look at something like this and an opportunity like this that presents itself, you have to worry about yourself. You cannot worry about who else is right right behind you, right next to you, right in front of you. You have to take care of business yourself and let it all play out. And as, as a result, as Lauren just pointed out, with now the Brooklyn Nets losing on Thursday night to the Dallas Mavericks, it creates another opportunity for the Sixers to I mean, they're humans, so it's not as if they don't know what happened on Thursday night and what is in front of them. But you handle your business and everything will fall into place, and then you look at the pathway that you have now created for yourself from all the hard work, from all the hard work through the, through the season, with everything that has hit all the teams with, with COVID and players missing games, you still position yourself to be in the number one. And if it does come down to a seven game, seventh game in any series – they have to play on your floor, and that's what you work so hard for to do. And if any of these teams want to feel overconfident and believe that they don't need that number one seed, well, guess what? Maybe the Sixers don't need the number one seed, but it's great to have it and not have that conversation later. Even if it's
1: only a couple percentage points, you got to believe the odds increase in your favor if you do have that number one seed and subsequent home court advantage. Lauren, I really like one of the things that Doc Rivers said after the game. I believe it was either before or after the game on Wednesday against Houston, that he feels like the Sixers right now are playing against themselves more if not the same amount, than the opposition. I like that. I think that's a great way to frame things right now. Just try to beat yourself, play against yourself, be the best version of yourself.
3: Well, it's interesting, Celts, because Joel Embiid sort of echoed that point in his own way post-game, saying that he wants to be playing some more contentious matchups heading into the playoffs. He wants to have to play heavier minutes to get ready for the playoffs, but due to the schedule, I mean... Tonight tonight against New Orleans could be a fun one, but the schedule hasn't been super challenging. The starters haven't really had to exert themselves in the second half, even in that, in that San Antonio overtime win that we talked about. They didn't play the whole second half ahead of having to pull it out at the end. So it is interesting to, to consider the idea that they're really playing against themselves and challenging themselves on a nightly basis if the opposition isn't giving them exactly what they want from a competitive perspective.
1: I do want to get into something else that the big fella said after that game on Wednesday to start us off this week, talking about the pieces of the 76ers roster and how they're coming together.
0: The team fits. I feel like a lot of people don't talk about it enough. Uh, Just, you know, the shooting uh, that was added. Uh, Last year we didn't have that. The court was, there was not enough space. And this year having, you know, Danny set uh, Tobias has been improved. Uh, you know, guys coming off the bench. Uh, Furkan has been in huge shape. The court is way more space. So when it comes to the structure, uh, I feel like uh, it's not so much about being better. We just got a better suited team.
1: I, for one, would agree with that take from Joel Embiid that perhaps people aren't talking enough about just how well this roster fits together, especially the starting lineup. Listen, I think that this is not to take away from players elevating their games this season. I don't think that you could have watched this season and not have said that Joel's gone to a different place. Tobias Harris has gone to a different place. Ben Simmons' defense especially continues to be excellent. Doc Rivers and the coaching staff, what they've done has been amazing finding the best way to utilize all this talent. Um But what Daryl Morey was able to do and assemble some of these key pieces, namely Danny Green and Seth Curry, adding them to the starting lineup, um, I think that that is as big a factor in why the Sixers have put up such good numbers and has had so much success this year as anything else. It fits.
3: And Joel has talked about that from the very beginning of the season. He said from training camp, it just felt natural. The options felt natural. He feels confident in his teammates' abilities surrounding him, and that allows him to be more confident down low, getting doubled. He knows that he has good options in tricky situations. And we've only seen that grow as the season has gone on. So, like you said, Celtic so shouts to the people that put this roster together and then shout out, of course, to the team for, for making it work once they got together, because this is still a very new team. I feel like we've said it all season long, but the main pieces on this team haven't all played together prior to this season, a very unconventional season, a season that didn't have much of a postseason or an offseason rather, especially for a Danny Green, a Dwight Howard, who kind of won a championship and then had to move to Philadelphia. And of course that championship mentality and experience has been huge for this team but those guys had no time off they had to adjust so quickly and they've done a tremendous job and the existing pieces Ben Simmons Joel Embiid Tobias Harris they've done a really good job of bringing those guys in and making it all work so comfortably it's been cool to see them sort of have this initial take of like okay this this team could work together and then see it grow and and be true as the season's gone on
0: and with that confidence uh, one thing that I like to see and I, I know we've seen it a lot and I talk about it quite a bit, and I know you guys agree, is the when you look at the box score afterwards, you can see it throughout the game, but actually looking at the box and seeing the assists on May baskets uh, for the team. is always something that I focus on, and you see it where the trust and the confidence level is there, where even with with Embiid kicking the ball out, whether it's to the wing, the corner, the top of the key, and the ball just starts snapping around the perimeter. Everyone trusts the next teammate right next to them because Number one, it's a better shot potentially, but it's also just the confidence to know that that guy might have, a you know, he's going to knock down that shot or he's going to put himself in the position to put the ball on the floor, drive, kick, drive, finish, whatever it might be. gets to the free throw line. It's a better overall possession and a better overall shot attempt for the team. And that's just for the overall success. So the way the team was built around, we knew it had to be that way with not just Embiid, but with Simmons as well with his ability and his mindset as a a pass first type of player, that you have to get that ball out. And when you do so with two shooters in Curry and Green, Harris who can shoot and put the ball on the floor, we know what Embiid does. And then off the bench with Korkmaz knocking down his shots, playing in a very nice uh, streak right now. Milton able to hit open jump shots as well. And now you add George Hill to the mix and you have shot creators. So I, I think that while some might look and say it, it's not as sexy as other teams with certain pieces, right, personnel, uh, this, is, uh, this, is a really, this is a really good team and they do it well. And it also plays off of what the defense does to lead to those opportunities on the offensive end.
3: I like what you said, Devon, about, about the passing and about the defense just now. I watched uh, Monday's game against San Antonio with a good friend of mine, Odara Cheatham. She's a professional basketball player. She's getting ready to play in the Olympics this summer for Nigeria, so shout out to her. Um, but she hasn't watched the Sixers at all this season, and her first take when we were watching together is, wow, they're moving the ball well, and the defense is really comfortable with one another, relying on one another. And to me, for someone who hasn't watched this team play, to have those two takes initially gave me some confidence with what I had been seeing, with what we have been saying, with what the team has been saying. And always just cool to get someone else's perspective on something, but, but I think we are so close to the situation that – I want to see good passing, right? And I want to see good defense. So my eye is inclined to see that, whether or not it's as good as I think that it is. So we got an outside take that can confirm what we've been saying all along.
1: I feel like at some point in time, someone might have the discussion if they haven't already done so. Would you rather have the run it back roster from 2018-19 or what the 76ers have right now? Mm. And I think that just given where Ben Simmons has gone with his game and where Joel Embiid has gone with his game, minimizing turnovers, becoming a more improved passer, even more dynamic on offense now, talking about Joel, than he was two seasons ago. I really like this year's group. I think that Tobias Harris also in a totally different place in terms of his comfort and productivity with the Sixers now than he was during his first half season with the team. Um, I just, I really like it. I think that defensively, the 76ers just are, are really, really strong. That Seth Curry's shooting is, especially right now, at a different stratosphere than even what the likes of perhaps J.J. J. Redick was doing at that time. I mean, Seth has been just so automatic right now. And that's not to say that... Um, shooting at like almost 60% is going to carry over into the postseason. But I just think Curry fits into a really nice spot here. And listen, for the five-man groups in the NBA that have played more than 300 minutes this year, the 76ers starting five outscores the opposition by 15 points per 100 possessions. And the starting lineup for the Sixers has played together this year nearly 600 minutes. There's only two other lineups um, that have played more starting lineups than that Sixers group. Uh, Phoenix, Paul, Crowder, Booker, Bridges, Ayton, and the Pelicans, Bledsoe, Adams, Ingram, Ball, and Williamson. And the 76ers, um, their top five net rating is just, you know, at worst three times better than the next closest team, which is from Phoenix. So I think that speaks to how well this group is gelled. And um, I-, I do agree with Joe, going back to what he said. Don't talk about it enough. Um, And I think that what they do, some of the things will translate to the playoffs because that's a big question, right?
0: Yeah, no doubt. Will it translate? And uh, not knowing, Curry's been in the playoffs. We know what Green's resume is, of course, now. And and I've talked about this a lot when we speak about this team being put together and other names that were thrown around. Guys, don't forget failure, especially when you want to be great. And Embiid and Simmons uh, have had those second round losses that have really stuck to them, not just for them, but the things that they would hear. And they hear it. We know they do. And they want to overcome that. They want to finally get over that hurdle. And I've brought up the example of Michael Jordan having to get past the Detroit Pistons in the past to, to finally become a, a champion. of uh, The 2001 Sixers, they struggled before that against the Indiana Pacers and Reggie Miller's team quite a bit. And when they finally did it, they got to they got to the nba Finals, so you never know what will catapult a, a team to to getting to where they want to be especially when we're talking about Embiid and simmons with those second round losses to boston and toronto and how much they stung the way that they stung especially that toronto raptors series uh with the shot so uh, i agree with you both and looking at things here i i am partial as you both know i love jj reddick uh and what he was able to do here so but Seth Curry, the way he's shooting right now, and I've been tough on him sometimes with how things have played out. And I know him having to come back, battling back from missing time due to the coronavirus. Uh, he's been shooting phenomenally as, as of late, and I hope he can keep this going. And even putting the ball on the floor a little bit, getting in there, floaters, teardrops, getting those intermediate shots. He, he's shooting with, with a high confidence level right now.
1: I did want to get into Seth Curry a little bit more over the six-game winning streak. He is shooting 20 for 34 from outside the arc.
2: Seth Curry with a step-back shot. I'm marking it. Oh, he's cooking tonight. Seth Curry has it going again. Billy D calls timeout for Chicago.
1: And that's number one among all players with at least 33-point attempts. Just can't argue with those numbers. And I think something that you, Dee, just mentioned is to me, when I look at what someone like Seth Curry brings to the table really stands out, is what's his primary responsibility help space the floor with three point shooting but he can do other things as we've seen throughout this year if you need him to bring the ball up and initiate in a pinch he can do that he can attack and create off the dribble earlier this week we saw that where he had a series of floaters and runners get himself going um so i think that he's versatile enough that he's not obviously just a one trick pony um, and he's, uh, he even admitted himself, Lauren, right after the, other, the game the other night, that he doesn't have to be a main guy. He's not even the third guy, but he's a guy who's there, and he's been ready to deliver when they've needed him.
3: And that's been the spirit of, of lots of players in this starting lineup. I mean, even Joel Embiid has talked about the fact that he wants to be there for what the team needs. Ben Simmons wants to be there for what the team needs. This collective mentality, this buy-in to the system that they have, has proven really valuable, and I think it's only going to become more valuable as this team heads into the playoffs. That unselfishness, that understanding, you're shooting 60% from three, but you're okay being the fourth, fifth option. That's fine. And that's something that takes uh, some stripping of the ego and some buy-in to your teammates and willingness to sacrifice, all things that we heard Doc Rivers talk about long before he became the head coach of the Philadelphia 76ers. So it's cool to see that they've all really bought into this mentality, and whether you're a Seth or a Joel, or a Matisse, you all have said the same thing in the last couple of days. I want to play my role, I'm bought into the system, and I'm happy to do whatever's required of me by the system and by my coach. And I think it's been cool to hear them all say that in different situations. I don't think they got together and huddled up about what exactly they were going to say about the buy-in of the team. I think they all are saying it organically, and that points to the fact that they really mean it. And again, that's guys across the roster. We've heard it all year long.
0: When the system is working and the results are wins, it's hard to really scoff at what your role is and what you're not doing. And and the way we've seen this team uh, throughout the season, while Embiid has been that level of player where we talk about him as an MVP and and the key to what drives things offensively and and in some cases defensively as well. We know how great he is there. There have been those nights, Lauren, where you've seen Curry go off for 20 plus in a, a high number. Of twenties, Danny Green, Ben Simmons goes for his, Tobias Harris, the same thing. Shake Milton coming in, uh, Furkan Korkmaz, the exact same thing. We've seen it already, where everyone has gotten a piece of the pie. They've had their 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 part in it, where they have been able to shine, and the team gets to win. So again, the results are there, and it makes that it makes things that much easier overall. The only thing that I and I and I want Seth Curry, as you just pointed out, not being Celtic, self- the number two option, the number three option, but being the fourth option, it's not a bad option to be. When again, when you're winning and and you're you're seeing the results uh, the way that you are, and the ball is coming to, it's not as if he, they're not looking for him, right? So uh, he's getting his opportunity, and uh, with that, he's taking full advantage of it right now, and and it's good to see. Uh, sometimes he can over dribble a little bit. When you get into a rhythm, it just happens. You just do a little bit too much, but. Uh, I love the fact though that when they do things like that, they call themselves out. They hold themselves accountable saying that wasn't a sixers type of possession. I, I didn't need to do that. So as long as they know what their role is and they see they see it and if he's hot and Simmons is just is laser focused on getting him the ball now because he can see that man is on fire. Let me get him the rock, then this team can can go a long way. and with the way the defense with the way the defense is playing and has played all season long, It's a recipe for success.
1: For me, my biggest thing for Seth was just based on what he had to go through earlier this season, I really just wanted to see him in a good place, being productive, looking good and comfortable physically, heading into the home stretch, going into the postseason, and I certainly think over the last six games, he has done that and then some just really productive stuff for Seth. I know that we keep track on things such as poles and ladders that are curated around the NBA And this past week, the NBA.com Defensive Player of the Year ladder. What representation from your team, your town, your 76ers on that one?
3: Let's talk defense. Celts. really cool to see three players from the same team all make that list. If you missed it, Ben Simmons was at the top of the ladder, number one. Matisse Theibel broke into the top five for the first time at number five. And Joel Embiid is in that five through ten List that they don't put into any particular order. Personally, I think Joel is certainly in the top five. I understand it might be difficult to put three players from the same team in the top five. But really cool to see these guys who put so much effort, especially Matisse and Ben, who have really focused, of course, on defense, especially this season, but throughout their careers, be rewarded or at least get a little bit of chatter for the work that they're doing. I'm not sure that Ben is going to win the award. I'm not sure that Matisse is going to make those all, those all defensive teams, but I do think that they both certainly deserve heavy consideration for both of those awards. And it's cool that they're getting the buzz now.
0: No, it it is great. And, um, with, with Simmons specifically, Lauren, I agree with you. I don't know that he'll get the award. That award typically goes to a big man. And when you have somebody like Rudy Gobert, who has not done anything to lose it, right, For with the clout that he does have, it will be hard to to overcome that. But, but Simmons has done enough to be in that conversation. I think he'll be all first team, again, all NBA defense first team once again. The, the curious part will be Matisse Thaibault being a bench player. It it goes along the lines of what we've seen from Marcus Smart, but Marcus Smart starts a little bit more whenever they need him to be. But uh, the the player that he is, Chris Dunn, getting that type of attention in the past when he was with the Chicago Bulls as a reserve, it would be a big, big thing. And I love how the team pumps it up. I love how his teammates step out and campaign for him. The the league knows, but for them to do that, for such an achievement, uh, as a team overall, but with what he does individually in that short amount of time, it's great to see that. And I, I do hope Simmons wins it because he is that good defensively. Uh, but uh, if he doesn't, again, you know, just like the MVP thing, it, it, it's just more motivation because you start to hear some of that stuff seep out before the regular season is over. They'll hear it in their circles of who's going to eventually win because we know the voting stops at the end of the regular season. And if that's the the extra motivation that they would like to use to go in, I'm all for it. I'm all for it.
1: I think, guys, in speaking about Matisse Thibel, first of all, (laughs) the sequence with Larry Markkinen in the Bulls Mm. game was just incredible. And there's Matisse Thibel getting his first block, and he comes up with a steal as well on one play. Goodness. He's unbelievable. And usually people ease their way into it. He literally
2: just checked in the ball game. Talk about being impatient. Oh, my goodness. I love that kid. Uh,
1: The call that Mark Zumoff had for that, the surprise in his voice, seeing Matisse finish that play after getting the initial block was fantastic. I think one thing that Zoo, in listening to some of the TV broadcasts recently, And of course, we also listen to Tom McGinnis as well, of course. But I know that Zoo always references the steals per 36 minutes for Matisse and steals per 48 minutes. How about just this? I think this is when number two is maybe even better than being number one. Matisse is tied with Jimmy for second in the league in steals, total steals. Okay, he's 16 off the lead held by TJ McConnell. And given the amount of minutes. That Matisse plays, that's insane. He's got 100 steals on the season. Ridiculous.
3: I loved the graphic that they showed on the NBC Sports Philadelphia broadcast on Wednesday, saying that Matisse is top 10 in steals. I believe he's 21 in blocks, or he was at the time. Now he might be in that top 20. But he's 171st in minutes played. The productivity in the amount of minutes that he plays, and I will be disappointed personally if the fact that he's been playing on such a good team now his entire career doesn't go into it doesn't get taken into account by voters because if he was on another team he would be playing heavier minutes if he was we talk about this with Tyrese Maxey as well when you come in as a rookie on a good team you're not going to get that many minutes and and when you get them you have to be pretty darn good if you want to make sure you don't get yanked so the fact that he's had the opportunities that he's had and he's capitalized them on them at this level leading the league also in deflections per 36 He's been phenomenal all season long. He's fought for his spot throughout his entire career. And now to see that he's up there in per game statistics, playing a little more than half of some of the other competitors in those, in those categories, it's, it's, it's incredible. And I I think that if he doesn't make that all defensive team, it's going to be because of minutes. And I don't think that that's right. And
1: he wasn't in the rotation at the start of the season, whether that was his fault or it wasn't because he was banged up in training camp. He wasn't playing for the first couple weeks. He had to wait for that whole stretch of guys going in and out to really jump back in and earn his time with a new head coach.
0: Yeah, I was going to and bring that up. Yep. And he's, he's taking full advantage of it and has never given up that spot again.
3: And he missed time from health and safety protocols. So when you look at these total stats, it's something we talk about with Joel Embiid's MVP case too. You got to remember that Joel has missed games for injury, but he's also missed time because he had to based on safety. Same thing happened with Matisse, the two of them both competing in total stats in a lot of different categories, despite playing total fewer minutes than guys that didn't have to sit out because of health and safety. I just think in general, I hope that the the end of season awards, and this applies to Ben, Joel, Matisse, I think those are the three that I would say it applies to you most. I hope that the minutes played and games played doesn't end up being as big, of a factor this season as it has been in the past, because I don't think that that tells the whole story. And these awards, when people look back on this season, should represent who the best folks were, not the ones that had to take time off for whatever reason, whether it's injury or health and safety. I don't think that that's a necessarily a, as fair of a metric as it often is in this season.
1: Matisse Snible, according to basketballreference.com, I either go stats.nba.com or basketballreference.com, depending. which one uh, shines more favorably uh, how they calculate their ratings uh, on 76ers players. But Matisse is number three in defensive rating in the league. Joel Embiid is number four. Can I have a, a, a mild take? I feel like people aren't talking enough about Joel's defensive impact this season. I know he doesn't have the numbers that you can quantify, but I don't think anyone can say reasonably that Joel is not one of the, and I know he was on the ladder, but a top 10 defender in the league or def- top 10 defensive presence however mm-hmm. you want to frame it
0: that's why he's called the best two-way big man in the league because not only will he give you yeah. 30 he will put you on your back too if you try to come into the paint and and and, and block your shot uh, the, the one season right before this one where we talk about his numbers specifically is when he averaged i believe it was 27 12 and a half boards but two and a half block shots he's still that same type of player defensively the impact is still there and not again just putting you on your back If he blocks your shot or sending out of bounds, whatever it is, he alters so many shots. He makes people rethink what they want to do when they get into the painted area. And it's always it's always I always have fun watching him play, not just in the low block, but also what he does, hedging out at times, digging in where he believes he's a guard trying to stop another guard on the wing or whatever. He takes up that challenge and has success. Who's that against Drew Holiday, right? that one where he really got into it. So, yeah, but we've seen it. We know what he thinks of himself defensively, and, and it is not talked about enough this season, but I, I think the reputation is already there. They know.
1: fired up. I know we're at the end, but I'm ready to go.
0: Let's let's challenge those voters. That's right. Look at you ready to lace them up and go play some defense. <laughs>
1: I can't believe it, guys, that this time next Friday will be our final Friday deep dive of the whole darn regular season. Amazing to me time has zip zapped and zoomed it has it has i'm thinking maybe we take polls on our favorite moments just because it's what it's the thing to do when you come to the end of something okay we'll cover our favorite moments performances highlights of the regular season and hopefully then be in this for another eight to ten weeks or so after that
0: i think i think we will be yeah i think we will be they have a very good shot Very good show. It's
3: going to be fun. It's going to be a lot of fun.
0: Guys, enjoy the weekend. You too. See you guys.
2: Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles, ready for next day installation, and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com, that's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring.
1: Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools.